G'day, I'm Rowan Barker, and this is The Silver Bullet. If you've ever been in a high-pressure or stressful environment, there's a very good chance your breathing suffered. We can't always control the events that lead to stress and anxiety in our lives, but one thing always in our control is how we breathe. Damien Thomas is a psychologist with over 20 years' experience. He has worked within the field of national security and war crimes investigations. Stress and anxiety have been a part of his working life for many decades, until he had a light bulb moment a few years ago, which changed his life. Damien is the founder of a handheld breathing device called Bobi. It stands for Breathe Out, Breathe In. Bobi, which is held in your hand and squeezed, is a patented and trademarked device. Put simply, it allows users to breathe better. Damien, welcome to the program. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, to kick things off, tell us what inspired you to create Bobi, which is, for those who don't know, it's a device aimed at improving breathing habits. Well, really, it was um, a brainchild of personal experience and professional experience, sort of a nexus between the two. I've had a, um, an experience, a work experience, working in some pretty stressful environments. And mm. um, throughout that time, um, I was overseas and isolated, and I recognised that I needed to sort of get engaged in my own self, um, self-help, for, for want of a better term. And mm. um, I stumbled across um, a, a yoga retreat in uh, Turkey and uh, engaged in uh, sort of three days of yoga practice, which focused on breathing. And I found that made a tremendous uh, difference in my capacity to manage stress and anxiety. And after returning to Australia and going back into my own psychology clinic, I found that uh, psychologists Pretty much ninety-five percent, or maybe more, psychologists psychologists actually coach breathing, but it's such a difficult thing to form a habit of doing. Um, even though we think, oh well, I know how to breathe and I can slow my breathing uh, when I need to, most people find it incredibly difficult to slow breathe at the preferred rate um, throughout the day. Why is breathing so important? And how long have we known that breathing is important to managing stress levels and keeping your anxiety in check? Look, that's, that's a great question. And, and it, it goes back centuries in, in terms of the, the power of the breath. Um, for, for your listeners, there's a fantastic book that steps through this. Um, it was written by an author called James Nestor. He wrote a book called Breathe. And he did a, a deep dive into breathing and how long we've known about the practice of breathing. And, and, and certainly, obviously, it's been used in yoga for a long time. Um, but in terms of the therapeutic intervention and the focus of breathing for psychologists, so I, I would say it's only been in the last 10, 20 years that it's been mm. widely recognized as something that's absolutely crucial as an adjunct to therapy. And, and why it is important is because it is the quickest and most effective way to reduce stress and anxiety for, for anybody, and it can be used 
well, virtually anywhere. It's extremely powerful, isn't it? I think a lot of people really understand just how intrinsic it is to, you know, we do it unconsciously, I guess. So people aren't really thinking about how they breathe, why they breathe, and how they can do it better. Yeah, and I think this is what what has struck me uh, in my own clinic. And I, I would say that over 90% of my clients come in with some form of stress or anxiety. And the first symptom of anxiety generally is hyperventilation. Mm-hmm. And why that is important is because most people don't recognize they're hyperventilating. And I, this was even an experience for me. I, I remember, oh, I think it was 20 years ago, I was sitting at my desk. I was under heavy stress. And I remember having this sensation of pins and needles in my legs and in my, my fingertips. And I didn't just recognize- Just sitting in a chair. Just sitting in a chair. I, yeah, I wow. had pins and needles. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't understand what these symptoms were. And what I've come to learn since then is when we're in a state of prolonged stress and anxiety, we actually hyperventilate, but it can be subtle. So it's, and, and just to explain, hyperventilation simply is rapid breathing, but shallow in, in and out of your upper mm-hmm. chest. And that, and that is the, as I said, one of the first symptoms of anxiety. The problem is if we engage in that hyperventilation for too long, we start to get these other symptoms and, um, and they're varied. But for me, it was those pins and needles. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if, if that can happen to me and if I can get to the point where I'm starting to deteriorate in terms of uh, my bodily responses um, through stress, well, I'm guessing other people probably experience the same. And why I teach um, breathing and why I believe it's so important is because breathing is that first uh, symptom and it's the it's the most effective way to counter stress and anxiety. Because hyperventilation often goes hand in hand with elevated heart rate. And certainly that's not good for your ability to respond in a stressful situation either, is it? No, that, that's exactly right. And I think probably a really good way of looking at this is that breathing actually can control our emotions just as emotions can control our breathing. Right, so like why, why is that important? Because actually it gives us efficacy. It gives us that sense of, well, okay, I can be proactive here. I can control my breathing. And by slowing my breathing, controlling my breathing, I can actually control the way I feel. And for many people, that's a powerful message because a lot of the time when I see someone in clinic, they they have this sense of defeat that, okay, I'm now being controlled by um, these emotions that I'm feeling and I'm helpless. Mm. Well, if we can learn how to breathe and learn how to start to control those emotions, you get this sense of empowerment and that's why it's so effective. Yeah, that feeling of being overwhelmed can be really discombobulating, can't it? But So breathing can help people get back a semblance of control. Exactly. And, th- and this is what why we're seeing, just by way of example, elite sports people. You'll see um, 
probably a really good example um, for some of your listeners. The New Zealand Warriors is a rugby league team. Um, and I know the um, Australian rugby team have done this in the past, but you will see them after a break in play, for example, if they score a try, they will get in a circle and they will group br- slow breathe together for mm. three or four breaths. And why why teams do that, why individuals do that is because it does help to calm um, bodily responses. It does help to um, move out of a state of stress and that does have a big impact on decision-making. And mm. this is profound in terms of, um, for example, students at, going through the HSC, where you have a student that is overwhelmed with anxiety or panic, you know they're not going to perform their best. Mm. Um, and providing them with something that they can do then and there to control that can be extremely powerful. So globally, we've just been through two of the most stressful years, possibly longer. It's all a bit of a blur, the the COVID period. The whole world was stressed, right? Are you seeing increased levels of stress and anxiety in the general populace at the moment? Absolutely. And look, if one only has to have a look at the um, the rates of um, the population attempting to get in to see psychologists, the the wait lists for for many psychologists are upwards of four or five months. Hmm. Um, What we've seen uh, in terms of statistics, um, rates of prescription of um, anxiety or depression-related medication, everything we're seeing now is that um, there is this rising stress and anxiety within the population. I think COVID um, is part of it. I think um, financial pressure uh, plays a a huge role, lifestyle. social media, I think all of these components are contributing mm. to, um, look, I, I would call it a, a, a crisis of mental health at the moment, yeah. um, not least because people simply can't get access to the services they need. And I'll I, I just add, just in terms of breathing, there, there is some fantastic work being done. Um, uh, this year, the New York mayor, Eric Adams, actually has mandated that Every school student from um, kindy to um, grade 12 equivalent um, must be offered uh, conscious bre- daily conscious breathing practice in, right. e- in every school. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I, I think this is the start of um, an awareness that this simple practice can have profound benefits, not just for, for the school children, at that time, but they can take that lesson into the workplace and beyond. So you said that breathing is a really powerful tool as an adjunct to therapy. So back to Bobby then, how does it work and how does it help harmonise our natural breathing patterns? So what I noticed when many of my clients would come in, obviously I would coach them in slow breathing. And just to clarify, what, what we're aiming at simply is slow nasal breathing at a rate, ideally, of 5.5 seconds in, 5.5 seconds out. And what what I found is I was directing many of my clients to online resources, um, apps, um, and whatnot. And then, obviously, we would review their progress during subsequent um, sessions. 
And what I was finding was that many, uh, in fact, most, found it extremely difficult to form the habit of better breathing. Mm-hmm. And this was also my own experience. I found that I was only really engaging in that slow breathing practice when I was at, in a yoga class, just by way of example. And so I, I really wanted to um, invent something um, that could be used by anybody uh, uh, as a habit-forming um, device for slow breathing. And one day I was sitting in my clinic and I started rhythmically opening and closing my hand uh, at five and a half seconds in, five and a half seconds out. And I guess part of that is um, an, another technique that psychologists use is something called progressive muscle relaxation, where we actually um, tense and then release a muscle as a way of releasing stress. So I was kind of pairing those two things. And uh, so what, where I went from there was um, identifying, well, if I could hold, we could hold something uh, in a tactile manner in our hand that coaches us to squeeze in at, say, five seconds and then coaches us to breathe out at five seconds, that would be a really useful guide for someone mm. uh, for them to um, practice their slow breathing. So Bobi simply is uh, a device you hold in your hand. There are three different settings um, to coach different rates of breathing because not everybody is going to be able to breathe at 5.5 seconds in, 5.5 seconds out. Because that's, so pretty, that's pretty slow, isn't it? It, is, it, takes, uh, it takes considerable practice for most of us. Mm. Um, and in fact, um, it's, it's almost a daily practice, three times a day to get to that point. And for most of us, we will probably start at, say, three seconds in, three seconds out, um, which is the one of the settings. So there's this recognition that, A, we need something to help us form the habit. Um, given it's a, a physical product, I, I, for example, keep it beside my desk at work. Um, when you see Bobby, quite often you'll pick it up and that is the prompt to start to form that habit. Uh, and I think that's why Bobi has been so successful. We've we've had tremendous feedback, um, and it's been interesting. A lot of the feedback has been from people that now use it to help them get to sleep. So they'll use Bobi mm-hmm. on the bedside table, use it for five minutes um, because it's there, and now they've formed that habit. Okay, I lie down, I grab Bobi, and I do my breathing practice. So, yeah, so it's a it's a visual prompt as much as the the actual tactile nature of it. Yeah, and that and that comes back to the psychology of habit formation. Mm. It, when you see when you see things and when they're within reach, you're more likely to engage with them. And yeah. I know um, it, it's a bit tangential, but why were were the uh, the fidget spinners so successful? Um, you know, because kids, for example, and even adults, they like to 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 touch things in a tactile way. Um, they like the gamification, and that that was part of the the, the premise of Bobi is okay. Well, let's have this. Let's have a product that people can take with them anywhere, leave it within arm's reach, and um, and, and get into this habit. Yeah, the, because it's there factor is a pretty strong motivator for yeah. humans for lots of things, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's the convenience. I mean, yeah, we, we form habits through convenience, and that and that's that's human nature. So, Bobby actually creates a positive emotional response for people. So, how does that help? How does that contribute to overall wellness? 
Look, as I was saying, we when you understand that you can control emotional responses through breathing, that can be hugely powerful because for many people, they are simply responding um, throughout their lives to environment circumstances that are inherently stressful. Uh, daily living is stressful. Having having something that teaches you um, that you can have control of your emotions, that you can settle yourself, that you, you can move out of what's known as fight or flight, that that stressful mm. circumstance where your heart's beating fast, where you're you're in a state of hyperventilation, when you're agitated, and simply using a device like Bobi for three or four seconds, and then shifting into that state of calm, the parasympathetic nervous system, where you're 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 actually reducing your levels of stress, you're moving into a state of calm, you're actually responding in a positive way to those around you. That can be incredibly powerful because many people, as I mentioned earlier, um, have this passive view of the world and their place in it. Understanding that, no, actually, even by doing something this simply, I can change my my mental state and thereby changing the the way I view the world and those around me, Mm. even in that moment, can be uh, profoundly uh, powerful. So again, it can be a visual aid for people to, let's say, respond as opposed to reacting in a reflexive fashion. That's right. It's, it's uh, okay, I know that uh, I'm about to go into some, a stressful environment or I'm, I'm on an airplane and I'm feeling incredibly panicked or stressed. Uh, I know that I have Bobby there. Uh, I know, I, I'm carrying it around with me. I'm actually going to sit back. Uh, close my eyes for three seconds and change my emotional state. And once you get into that habit of slowing your breathing, moving into a state of calm and relaxation, you you get this sense, well, okay, uh, things can be very stressful, but mm. I can control it. And that sense of control, particularly for people that are overwhelmed, um, it, it, yeah, once again, is really powerful. Yeah, because people can literally forget how to breathe when they're really stressed or really anxious, can't they? This is really interesting. And I'm a member of many uh, Facebook groups um, with you know upwards of 50,000, 60,000 people for stress and anxiety. And wow. I've, I've been on within these groups for uh, many years now. And what I found, find is there's some really thematic issues. And the one you just said then, I, f- I forget how to breathe is without doubt the most common right. comment right. that people with stress and anxiety make. And it-, it can be really confusing for people and really stressful because there is different types of advice that they might get in response to that and not always is that advice helpful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but so- what, we know- what we know as psychologists is, um, forgetting how to breathe is often a symptom or is a symptom of prolonged hyperventilation. Mm. And it, it's it's um, quite perverse because the, the other aspect of I forget how to breathe is I can't seem to get a full breath. This is um, an, another symptom of hyperventilation where we are expelling too much carbon dioxide and we, f- we get this sense as if, 
I don't, I can't actually get a full breath in. And so many people panic and try and take this in response, this large, deep breath in, which is pretty much the opposite of what we need to be doing. And so you can see, um, just back to a really early point that I made, that breathing and stress and anxiety go hand in glove. And it's the first point of call in terms of intervention. So Bobby in a situation like that can really help somebody reconnect with their breath and get them to focus on being deliberate about how they're doing it. Exactly. And that's the the benefit of having something that's tactile is that what we are trying to do is move people out of their minds um, and into their body. Um, And and that's a term that we use. Um, And just by by way of example, there's um, a a trend or a um, strategy within um, psychology where if someone is in a high state of panic, they, we would suggest, for example, we'll go and grab an ice cube as a way to stop overthinking and to move out of your mind into your body. And that's the same premise that we use for Bobby. Okay, so we need to stop thinking about or whatever's going through your mind and we need to refocus on what can you feel, what can you touch, and then what goes further than that with Bobby is, okay, well, now you can touch and feel your way through slow breathing. So is that part of a, a grounding process? I know Bobby can allow users to ground themselves in a situation. What does that actually mean in this context? Yeah, so that's exactly um, exactly what Bobby does. So grounding is is very similar to what, what I was mentioning about the ice um, and that, that is simply when people are in this high state of stress and anxiety, they will describe being completely overwhelmed by their thoughts. And the, the, the thoughts will come in waves and they will get this sense that they can't control the way they're thinking. And that's often where you'll observe someone have a panic attack. So a panic attack is this... Um, extreme form of hyperventilation um, and confusion where um, people often describe they believe they're having a heart attack. And what we try and do as psychologists is preempt that by moving them outside of their thinking and by grounding them in something they can feel um, to, to redirect the, the way they are thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why, um, by way of example, ice or Um, anything that you can grab has been so successful in terms of a strategy for many people because they are able to redirect themselves away from that overwhelming thinking process. So we know that how you get good at something is practice, right? Repetition. I presume building a habit and, you know, breathing can be a habit if you do get good at it over a period of time. Forming a habit's the same. You just got to practice it. That's right. But Slow breathing, there's a there's quite a conundrum in terms of um, forming the habit of slow breathing. And um, for many of your listeners, you, you, you may have heard of uh, Andrew Huberman. He's a Stanford professor in neuroscience. He delivers some great science-based um, podcasts and um, per chance is coming to the Sydney Opera House next year. In any case, um, uh, Andrew Huberman had... Um, a world-renowned breathing expert, Jack Feldman, on, and they were discussing this point around uh, habit formation and slow breathing. And even um, Dr. Feldman acknowledged that to form the unconscious habit of slow breathing, 
from his experience is almost impossible. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> There's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd love to have a chat to him um, further <laughs> about this. Yeah. Um, because I, on one occasion, I could challenge him. And that was uh, my experience in Turkey where I had engaged in that slow breathing in a yoga retreat over three days. And I, I was actually walking around the, the, uh, the Turkish seaside village nearby. And I caught myself breathing at an un- in an unconscious way at that slow rate. Now, it's never happened since. And, and I, I, I often um, wonder, okay, well, to what extent do we need to coach ourselves throughout the day mm. um, to get to that point? So I know it can be done because I've experienced it. It's a matter of how much time do we need to put in to get to that point? Um, but it still is important to note that we can put ourselves into that state of parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest through uh, the practice of slow breathing. So doing it throughout the day is still a powerful tool. Whether and how we get ourselves to to be in that uh, state more times than not throughout the day, now that's a challenge. And that's presumably where Bobby comes in. I was going to ask, have you sent uh, Mrs. Feldman and Huberman a Bobby each? I would love to catch up with uh, Andrew next year. Um, his his actual um, series is called The Mind-Body Contract. So it's it's really exactly what we're talking about here. Right. Um, and he, he has a fantastic um, podcast on managing stress. He was asked the question, what is the best way to reduce stress um, at any point of time? And his immediate response was, control your breathing, slow your breathing down. So Bobby, through the repetition, having it on hand, the visual cue it provides and and reward is another element of it. So Bobby can really help in this habit forming though, can it? Exactly. So that the reward is that sense of control and that sense of reduction in stress and anxiety. So it's an intrinsic reward. It's okay, I've used Bobi and now I actually feel good. Mm. I've I is a device that is not passive. And by that I mean you actually have to squeeze it. So you are putting in some form of effort. And that I think is part of the uh, importance of the mm. of the device it's okay we're actually squeezing in and then it will release on its own that is an important aspect of Bobi because we're putting the effort in and then the reward is after uh, a period of time and I'm I'm talking about three four five minutes I can move myself into this state of calm and that's where most people want to be most humans that I've met do not want to walk around in a state of stress and anxiety 24-7, even though that's the current lifestyle for many of us. Yeah, it's the default position, isn't it, almost? It's it's the connection of uh, 24-7 to to technology. And uh, this is the the double-edged sword of technology. Yes, it's been wonderful um, in so many ways, but uh, I think we're only just starting to learn that being connected 24-7 and having access to the type of content that we do 24-7 can be and is detrimental to mental health. Yeah, it's an ongoing global experiment, psychosocial experiment in real time, isn't it? it, it that, is, that, that is probably one of the best descriptors I've heard of 
for social media. It is an experiment that we are all a part of right now. Whether we like it or not. Yeah. You, you yeah. mentioned technology a minute ago, and there are good things to technology, and some of them, some of that includes brilliant design. And speaking of design, you won a, a Good Design Award gold medal this year for Bobby. Congrats. Tell us about that. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, no, it was um, it was quite a surprise for us. We um, throughout the design process, we'd engaged what is considered probably one of Australia's best design firms, design and industry. And over that two year period, or, or, or probably longer, we we went through any number of prototyping and and changes to get it right. And uh, yeah, so we we were awarded with the the gold Australian. Um, Good Design Award medal, and it, it just felt mm. like a a brilliant bookend for us uh, down in Melbourne at that event. That there was some recognition of that gr- the grinding work to get to the point where we did, and um, and to see uh, all of the other award winners down there and what, what they had done. It was it was a real buzz in the room because the the, the other people down there had had been in similar cases in terms of uh, having ideas inventing innovating and, and and getting that to fruition mm. and being in a room full of those people um yeah it was it was just a wonderful experience yeah this kind of innovation it's it can start with a kind of light bulb moment but it's rare that that that's it's almost inevitably not where you finish right this is an iterative process can you take us through some of the flashes of inspiration and some of the pivots you might have had to have made along the way to get to where we are now yeah it's um, when you come up with an idea in your in your mind, it's uh, it's simple, uh, simple to execute, and simple to manufacture, but <laughs> <laughs> and fully formed. And you think, yeah, yeah we've got it, yeah, we're there. Yeah, and and, uh, and you have in your mind what the budget's going to be, and um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to um, uh, give figures out, but <laughs> yeah, it, it it blew out um, perhaps by tenfold. And uh, and the and, and the time time was similar, but um, once you once you're committed to an idea, and once you have belief in the idea, um, it, it's true to say that um, probably very few things can pull you up or stop you, and and that's the sense I had with Bobby. I I knew that uh, it, it, it is going to be successful. It's going to help a, gr- a great deal many people, and. Yes, there were challenges, um, particularly around manufacturing. Um, we're, we're talking about um, small components here. When we're when we're releasing air uh, out of a hole, uh, a, a tiny hole. Um, mm. the, the just by way of example, it's very hard to get drill bits that small. And, sure, right, <laughs> right. And, and and going through that process. Um, but but having the, the team around you that um, identifies the problem but then gives you the solutions, absolutely crucial. So at the end of your R&D journey, your design journey, you've come up with something that is simple, durable and patented uh, as well. So what makes it unique? Why is it so special? Why is Bobby so special? That there's nothing on the market like Bobi. Um, it's, it's special because it recognises... Uh, how important it is to form the habit of slow breathing. It, it is um, a device that can be used absolutely anywhere. Uh, there's no technology on the, the device. Um, we've got different iterations of the device. Um, there's a part 
part of it that is removable that sits on your palm so we can put um, different materials, um, softer materials. We've got a frozen palm pad. So as I was mentioning earlier, where people may go into a state of panic, they could keep a, one of these palm pads in the freezer, grab it, put it on right. their bobie and use it just like a, a an ice block. Um, but what it does do is it brings together um, a number of aspects of psychological therapy um, or strategies. And by that, I mean with uh, progressive muscle relaxation, so squeezing and releasing the, um, the different rates of breathing. Um, but just as important as all that is that habit formation. Take it anywhere. Leave it on your desk at work. Take it on public transport or on a plane. Uh, sit back, um, use it, doesn't need to be plugged in. And that's why it's so special. I think it it can be used anywhere and anytime and probably its simplicity, uh, it lends itself to its use. So how do people or should people incorporate it into their daily routine? Because that really is going to be the key to a long-term habit forming. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, I use just my personal experience here. So I will take Bobby with me to work every day and I will leave it within arm's reach and I will notice myself if I'm starting to feel stressed um, or if I feel as if um, that would be a good time just to slow my breathing down. I know I can just reach over and grab it. And I think that that is my advice is that in order to form habits, Things have to be convenient. And if it's within reach and if you've got, say, three minutes of time, um, that's a perfect amount of time to pick up Bobby and use it. Maybe people would use it uh, when they're reading emails. Now, why mm-hmm. would we do that? Well, we're, we're habit stacking. So whenever I read emails, that's that's when I use uh, my Bobby. The other probably important point around that is there's a, there is a, a phenomenon called e- email apnea. And that is um, there's some research being done that people will start to hyperventilate when they start to read emails. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's this condition response. Uh, what's in this email? What do it's, I need to do? Yeah. A bit of a fear of the unknown. And is this going to add to my workload? Yep, yep, right, and right. and it's the same. The same applies to the notification responses. When you hear a ding, mm. often people will there'll be sort of a really subtle physiological response to that. But in terms of work, um, yeah, sort of stacking it on another habit. So if you get into work and and you, uh, that's when you open your emails. Well, maybe that's a great time just to grab Bobby and concurrently uh, use Bobby while you're reading your emails. And I think that's. Probably a, a point that I, I should have raised that uh, in terms of Bobby that at the moment, yes, there are some great online resources around coaching uh, auditory or visual um, breathing or mindfulness coaching, but you can't concurrently undertake other tasks. Mm. You, you, you just, in those cases, you have to give your full attention to, to the auditory so the verbal instructions yeah. or, or the visual instructions, but with Bobi, you can actually be practicing it while you're engaged in other tasks, and I think there's there's a really something really powerful about that because um, 
you know, if you're in a, a high pressured meeting, you, you could be sitting there using it and nobody would know any different. So on top of Bobi, what other practices or tips would you recommend to people to enhance their health and well-being? Look, exercise is absolutely pivotal. Uh, there is just no escaping the importance of exercise. And um, if, if for, for people that want to live long and happy lives, um, there's a, a doctor, Dr. Peter Atia um, in, in the US. He's written a book, Longevity. Um, he goes into the importance of, of exercise. Um, I don't think you'll find a psychologist that wouldn't advocate mm. daily exercise, so up to 30 minutes. Uh, and, and then it's, it's the other lifestyle aspects. It's okay. Um, what am I doing in terms of my diet? Um, minimizing alcohol, just the, the, really the, the logical things. Um, so putting in place diet, exercise, minimizing social media, um, engaging in breathing practice, um, that they're really the cornerstones. That's, that's the foundation of mental and physical health. Fantastic. So I want to get a Bobi. How can I find out about them? Where can I buy one? The website is meetbobi.com, M-E-E-T-B-O-B-I, free shipping throughout Australia and um, lots of good resources on the website, Um, lots of good blogs on uh, a lot of things we've discussed um, around breathing and and mental health, Um, um, yeah, for, for anybody that's interested. Fantastic. And what else can we expect from Bobi in the next year or two? Well, we're bringing out different palm pads, uh, the different colours, different textures, textiles. Um, but we are working on a fairly long roadmap with Bobi. Uh, I won't mention too much now, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we've we've got a long way to go with Bobi. But uh, our, our first objective is let's get Bobi in as many people's hands as possible. It sounds like we're going to have to talk again. Damien <laughs> Thomas from Bobi, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having me.